0: Patients often get only bits and pieces of information about their health, a lab result here, a prescription there, and that makes it hard to see the whole picture. But every time you visit a clinician, they're adding their own notes to your electronic medical record. If you were able to read those notes, it can connect the dots, helping you to become more engaged and more in control of your health. In a recently published study involving more than 20,000 patients over seven years, 98% of those surveyed thought that having online access to visit notes was a good idea. Even more interesting, though, is that regardless of whether or not they chose to review their notes, 63% of respondents rated the availability of notes as very important for choosing a future provider. Let that sink in for a minute, especially if your hospital or medical practice doesn't make clinicians' notes available to patients. Hello, and welcome to Data Point. I'm your host, Greg Matthews, and our guests today are Kate DeRoche and Liz Salmi of Open Notes, a nonprofit organization that has helped hospitals and medical practices to make clinicians' notes available to over 40 million American patients, all without an app, a product, or a software installation. Their story is a remarkable one, and I have a feeling you're going to enjoy it. And now, Kate DeRoche and Liz Salmi of OpenNotes. Liz Salmi and Kate DeRoche, thank you so much for being with us on Datapoint today.
1: Thanks for having us.
0: Yeah, thank you. This is something that I've been wanting to do ever since I saw the uh, panel that you both were on at South by Southwest this past March. And I was so inspired not only by the work you're doing, but the the way that you interacted with each other. I thought this is the perfect time to break new ground on Datapoint and actually have two guests instead of one. So. Uh, An extra special data point, welcome to both of you.
2: Yay, thank you.
0: (laughs) (laughs) One of the things that I like to do on this show is in addition to featuring the great work that you're doing, I want to give the listeners a little bit of context about who you are. And I wonder if you wouldn't mind giving us a little bit of background that points us to how you came to be where you are in this open notes movement. Um, Kate, can we start with you? Sure. So
2: I am a health services researcher. I come out of the public health world and for a long time was interested in working in working on issues related to how clinicians make decisions within the organizations that they work in. Mm-hmm. And that sort of focus led me into electronic health record adoption, how and why clinicians were and were not Using it, and you know, in a way, Open Notes is kind of a perfect example of that. So it's a, it's it is a technology um, related intervention, but it also requires an enormous amount of culture change. And those kinds of issues are are so interesting to me. And so Open Notes really sits right in the middle of that. Mm. It has the additional benefit of, of actually being really beneficial for patients. So it has a it has an additional sort of, oh, this is really great work to be doing.
0: And how long have you been in the field? You know, when did you start that work looking into, you know, how and why clinicians were using the EHR, for example, and studying those cultural issues?
2: So I Started working on that during the second Bush administration when okay. David Braylor was the first national coordinator for health information technology.
0: Got it. Okay. That is good context to have. And that actually, you've seen. Much of the you know the true evolution then of of the platform and the way it's been used and how it integrates into the provision of care that's that's excellent, um, Liz. Your story is a little bit different. Um, give us a little background on how you came to be involved in OpenNotes.
1: Sure. So it's interesting hearing Kate's story, because I think I'm uh, uh, paralleling that story, but from a patient perspective. Mm -hmm. So I have a background in communications or digital communications. And I didn't work in healthcare. But I was diagnosed with a malignant brain tumor in 2008. And so I became a patient. And what was exciting for me, I guess, or one way I managed my care was this online patient portal, the health system where I received care. I had been there for three years prior to my diagnosis. I was already using this patient portal to set up appointments and email my doctor and order prescription refills. So to me, and I was, let see, 22, 25, 26, 27, 28 at that time, to me, healthcare was this portal, this digital tool. And right. that that's just, what what how I did things. And so when I was diagnosed with a brain tumor, I continue to manage my care that way. And I moved along and because my background was in digital communications, I became one of those patients who started blogging about my experience and started going on social media talking about what I was going through. And eventually in time, I met a whole bunch of really cool other patients, the e-patients. And I was inspired by the e-patient movement, what people like Dana Lewis and e-patient Dave were up to. And that in time got me connected with the world of the Stanford Medicine X community, I became inspired to start working in healthcare and not the nonprofit space. I started becoming curious. And some of these e-patients are just so inspiring to me. I thought, wow, they're so sciencey. I, I have no idea what role I have. I, I don't know if I could do what they're doing. But one day, many years later in 2016, my health insurance changed from the system I was at and I realized, oh my gosh, I gotta pull all of my information in that portal and take it wherever I'm gonna go. How do I do that? So I learned about that whole medical records request process which is Mm -hmm. really takes a lot of time and effort. Sometimes people have to pay money to get access to the records. And uh, I went through that process and it was enlightening, but also uh, I had a chance to read my full medical record. And I realized there was a whole bunch behind the scenes that I did not have access to and was not privy to through the online patient portal. And that's where I stumbled across my doctor's notes or my clinical notes. And they were really exciting to read. And as a patient blogger who had been chronicling my experience with a brain tumor since 2008, I read the record and thought, this is the same story, but written from a, a different a different author, a different voice uh, than my, my story. And so in time, I learned about the OpenNotes team, and that it was about giving patients access to their full medical records. And so I officially joined the team in 2017.
0: Let, let me ask you, Liz, because I find this really interesting. One of the, um, I guess, common pushbacks that I, I have heard relative to physicians being willing to share notes with patients or, or hospitals being willing to share notes with patients is that they're so technical and so deeply, uh, you know, clinically convoluted. Uh, that that the patient wouldn't be able to understand them. Now, I'm guessing that you probably had a relatively complex medical record yeah. as a you know as a brain tumor uh, patient survivor. Can you tell us a little bit about what your experience was like in terms of sort of deciphering what you found in there?
1: Yeah. So I, what I thought looking at them was, of course, I had the perspective of now a person who at that time was eight years post diagnosis, but I was in all of those visits. So I was there when they said all the things that they later put into a note. And while the doctor or other clinician might use more medical ease and some fancy words, they were things I was able to decipher just based off of context. And when I went through the note, if there was a word or phrase that I hadn't already been introduced to, Mm -hmm. I just went to google and search the phrase i was like oh that's what that acronym means or oh that's what that word means yeah i remember them saying that they just said it differently to me
0: so exactly oh man that is it's such an amazing thing and i i want to get into before we go too much further what actually is open notes is this a software tool is it a platform what 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 is this thing that you guys both work for kate can you give us sort of the, the the headline view of what we're talking about here?
2: I, I can. I'll start just by saying there is no software. There's mm-hmm. no there's no app. We do not, we're not coders. We, in fact, don't even know how to do that, or I'll just speak for myself. I don't know how to do that. What we are is a foundation and philanthropy funded group of people who are, pushing to spread more transparency in healthcare through sharing clinical notes. And we also study what happens when you make this kind of transparency available to patients and clinicians. So we're not selling anything beyond the idea of transparency. And we started out as a pilot project in 2010. And on the strength of that pilot project, we received a pretty generous grant from several foundations to do to really focus on dissemination and spread, and then evaluating what happens for patients and clinicians. Um, so from there, we've got so we started out as this pilot in three or three healthcare organizations with about a hundred primary care clinicians and twenty thousand patients. And since so that pilot was began in two thousand and ten, And currently, we now have more than 39 million patients who are signed up on a portal in a healthcare organization that offers access to notes. So we think it's about, we think we're at at over 200 healthcare organizations that currently offer notes um, that may be an undercount because we do find out about, we find out all the time about new organizations that we didn't know about who are
0: already doing it. So when these organizations, just to kind of paint the picture, when these organizations decide, yes, we are going to offer patient access to these notes, how do they typically do that? Or is there a typical, do they, do they announce it to their patients? Is there a flip that they're switching in their electronic medical record? Like how does that transition happen? So it
2: happens in, and Liz, Liz, um, feel free to jump in here. Mm-hmm. Um it happens in a lot of different ways. So we have some organizations that really buy into the idea. They really, they, they communicate with their patients about it. They communicate with their clinicians about it. And they really want to get to the place where the patients will start to see benefit.
1: Mm.
2: We have plenty of examples, though, of organizations that have turned it on and uh, they don't tell anyone. They don't tell the patients. The clinicians don't know that it's really happened. Um, and it's sort of open notes in name only. Huh. So there's a lot. There's a lot of variability.
0: Interesting. And Liz, I know you spend a lot of time on the ground uh, with folks in these uh, you know major practices and health systems. What, what's been your experience as people are sort of deciding to make that switch?
1: Yeah, the um, you know EPI, open notes at its core is the is just sharing notes so how an organization decides to do that is different every health system every organization has its own culture and mm-hmm. process that they need to go through so that's one thing we've seen across the board so you've, you've seen one open notes implementation. You've seen one Open Notes implementation. So, I'll, I'll give a couple quick examples. You might see an example where, and I'll use Kaiser Permanente in the Pacific Northwest as an example. Mm-hmm. They, they had heard about this Open Notes thing. There were a couple folks in the organization who were champions. They set up a meeting about it, they invited their patient family advisors to the meeting, and then decision makers were there listening. And some patient advocates stood up and said, this is my health. I'm responsible for my health. I deserve to have access to my health information and to be able to see the full picture so I can make these important decisions that impact my life. Mm -hmm. And the leader, the main decision maker there said, all right, we're turning this on next week. Tell everybody,
0: this is it. It doesn't sound like the usual protracted two years in committee sort of decision process, yeah, does it? But
1: then then there are organizations who are, oh, well, then we see those who are open notes curious. So they, somebody starts reaching out to us asking for, do you have any toolkits, white papers, send us links to every published paper ever. And we do that. We help them. Um, and then some organization has a champion. It depends on the political capital of that particular champion, but someone will will start a pilot at their organization. And the pilot might be with a larger um, division, or sometimes it's as small as uh, one health system said, oh, we're piloting. I said, where? And they said, sleep medicine. (laughs) I was like, how many patients are through sleep medicine a month? They're like, not that many. So you can't really uh, tell, you know, what is the response from patients? So they might Pilot it to death, or maybe uh, have a couple, you know, a couple of pilots in different areas, and then in time they turn it on. And then by turning it on, they flip a switch and say, Everyone in primary care is now going to share, uh, everyone in uh, cardiology, oncology. So they, they might do a department by time um, time, and then how, and I'm getting really nerdy here, but then their, their individual s- switches and levers or how they might customize the onboarding process depends again on the organization. Is it, is it mandatory they share notes? Is it you share notes, but you can click a button to opt out one or two notes just in case that there's like a patient safety concern um, or is it they must opt in for every single note they're sharing? And, and
0: that's really entirely up to the organization, right?
1: Yep. Yes. Yeah.
0: Fascinating. Okay, we are going to take a quick break, but we are going to be right back with Kate Deroche and Liz Salmi on Data Point.
2: Today's show is brought to you by Blue Spire, a full-service digital marketing agency focused on complex and highly regulated industries of healthcare, senior living, and financial services. Rapid changes in the healthcare industry are causing consumers to seek out trusted advice, demand more transparency, and access to information and content. With over 30 years of healthcare experience, Blue Spire knows how to help you reach, communicate with, and gain trust from these consumers. We help you engage with the right content at every touchpoint, from the first symptom search to appointment scheduling through care management. Visit us at bluespiremarketing.com to learn how we can help you deliver relevant, engaging content through ever-changing touchpoints that matter.
0: Welcome back to DataPoint. I'm your host Greg Matthews, and we are here today with Kate Deroche and Liz Salmi from Open Notes. Ladies, when we went into the break, we were talking about the implementation of Open Notes within a, a hospital or a health system, but I wanted to I wanted to come back a little bit to some of the why this is important. And Liz, when you, when we were talking about your personal experience, you mentioned that even though plenty of those notes were you know pretty abstract and fairly clinical in nature, you were able to get yourself to understand almost all of them. I'd love to know: Is that a normal experience? Is that something that you've seen repeated uh, throughout time, or, or or is Liz kind of an unusual case?
2: Well, Liz is a fabulous person, <laughs> 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 but we do we have a lot of survey data that shows that patients say they understand the notes. They and what I think is happening is is exactly what Liz said: they were there at the visit, they heard, they heard it, they heard. And they remembered at least some of it. And they're and they're understanding enough of the note to get the gist. And it and reading the note helps them to remember what they heard. So it's a, it's something that we hear repeated all the time that even though clinicians are worried, oh, this is either they're either worried you know, they're creating notes because of their EHR system that they think are just garbage hmm. or that they're so complicated that patients, they will not be useful for their patients. But what we hear from the patient side is bring it on. I, I can understand this. And if I don't understand it, I'll find a way. I'll find someone to help me.
0: Man, that is so exciting. And I know that, you know, Liz, you mentioned that you know, some of the institutions wanna see every paper that's ever been published on this mm-hmm. subject. Uh, let's talk about that for a second. I mean, is this something that since its inception has been widely researched and are you doing all that research or where's all this coming from?
1: So we recently did a review of every paper that we are aware of that's been written about this concept of sharing clinical notes to really get an assessment of the evidence base for open notes. And we realized there were about um over 90 papers written on this concept uh, 88 of which were, were published in peer reviewed journals and about 30% of those papers were written by people uh, com- coming from organizations that have nothing to do with our open notes research network so wow. just other folks uh, who are studying this phenomenon as in their own organization as it gets implemented. And the, that 30% were published relatively recently in 2016, 2017, 2018. And so to us, it looks like it took this open notes research team, uh, you know, to get the ball rolling to do the first big studies. And then now mm-hmm. as it's being disseminated and adopted at these over 200 organizations around the country they're starting to dig in and do their own research which is really validating. I just want to say we don't own the ability to do research on this concept of open notes. We want other people to go out and research it as well.
0: And have you as an open notes research organization been able to, you know, tap into some of that other research to, you know, drive future studies that you may be involved with? Is it is that a role that you play in that ecosystem?
2: We do do that. So we do a lot of scanning of what's out there. We use the research that other places have done. And in particular, there's a lot of really great stuff that's come out of the VA. So the Mm VA has been all open notes for quite a few years now. And there's, there's some excellent work out of the VA, particularly around um, open notes in mental health. And so we we use a lot of their a lot of other researchers work in our own dissemination work. We're always looking for partners. So we also scan we also kind of keep scanning out there to see if there are others who might like to partner with us on other on other pieces of research.
0: You know, I um, I noticed last week that there was an announcement about a piece of research that was uh, published recently that really struck me uh, you know in part because of the the scope and scale of it a seven year study looking at over 20,000 patients and you know one of the key findings was that 98% of the uh, participants thought online access to visit notes was a good idea mm-hmm. that is a pretty shocking figure um, yeah. can you tell us kate what what do you see behind that what is it what is it that drives people to think that it's such a good idea
2: So patients read their notes for a number of different reasons. They read their notes to better understand their own health, to recall their care plans, and to try to really understand why why was this medication prescribed for me, things like that. They also are curious about their health. They are curious about what their clinicians are thinking so, the note is like sort of a nice window into understanding what the clinician is thinking. And they also it also conveys benefits for things like, "I really want my uh, my spouse to know this thing about me," or uh. my I wanted to go to my mother's doctor's appointment, but I couldn't get there." and instead, she shares the note with me. So it helps with getting care partners involved and it helps with it helps individual patients to really sort of understand remember and 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 kind of make more informed decisions about their own care. So all of those benefits we saw in the original pilot that was done and then when we went back 7 years later to our original pilot organizations and asked a bunch of some of the same questions, some new questions, we are seeing they're confirming these benefits again. So it, we were, uh, one uh, thought that we had was, well, this could, some of the pilot results could have been related to just the novelty of the mm. study. But yeah. what we're seeing is they really persist over time.
0: You know, one of the things that that struck me about the results that, that were published was that 73% of the patients said that, um, Having access to the notes helped them take care of their health, and they felt more in control. And so, my question is: having is does having that agency and that empowerment, that feeling of being in control, why is that so important? And, and is it something that you see happening uh, regularly as you're interacting with patients?
1: Yeah. Uh, so. The unfortunate part is not all patients have access to their notes or know what notes is. So as far as all patients, I I can't necessarily speak to them. Um, We do see from the data that patients who read their notes and know what notes are, and and this new study that's published are are of the responses of folks who say they read at least one note in the year, um, in the last year, you know, that's what, that's what they're saying. And as an individual who asks for my notes, I don't have easy access to my notes now where I receive care, but as an open notes person, I ask for those notes. And from my personal experience, I think it's funny because here I'm a person living with a brain tumor for 11 years. Clearly I'm knowledgeable in me and, and this topic. And yet when I read that note from my last visit, as I'm planning for my next visit, I'm always surprised by how much I forgot from you know the previous mm-hmm. 6 month period and i you know i'm thinking i'm smart man i know a lot about brain tumors and me and then i read it and i'm i'm thinking oh i'm going to ask her do i still need to take this anti seizure medication i mean really it's been 10 years do i need it and then it says Once again, Liz and I discussed does she need to be on the same medication. I described to her how her life would change if she started stopped taking it and she had a seizure, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, oh my gosh, I've been asking that same question over and over again. And yet here it's documented. When I read my note from my last visit with my neuro-oncologist, I prep for the next visit and I realized that a lot of the questions I thought I was going to bring to the visit are stuff we've Talked about in the previous visit. So it reminds me and reinforces that we've had these conversations and I better understand why I'm on the medications that I'm on. And I think many of your listeners might think, wow, well, Liz works for Open Notes or Liz is clearly an engaged patient who knows lots of things. But really, when it comes to your own health and uh, living with a serious condition, it, people. It, it, it's hard for people to really keep their head on straight. A lot of things yeah. kind of pass over you. I, I know that one of my open notes colleagues talks about research shows, if you're getting bad news um, in a visit, you only remember maybe at most 30% of that visit. Wow. And, and there's no way, even if you're getting good news, like everything's clear, you, you can't remember everything that's said at a doctor's visit. So to be able to go back to a document that's written by your own doctor as a, as a record of what happened is just so... Um, uh, satisfying and validating. And it, it's just a good tool.
0: You hit something there, Liz, that I want to pick up on. And that is you're planning for your next visit, right? So you're going back to your notes and doing a review. Kate, in our pre-interview, we were talking a little bit about a pilot program um, that, that is, a, is related here. Can you give us a sense of what you're testing in this new pilot program?
2: Sure. So we are getting. We're increasingly interested in the idea of patients co-generating the note with the clinician, mm-hmm. and so we're piloting um, a project. We call it Our Notes, and in Our Notes, patients are sent an email a few days before an upcoming visit, and they're asked to write the subjective portion of the note. So, what's been happening since the last visit? How are they feeling? And then they're also asked to generate an agenda for the upcoming visit. So what are the most important uh-huh. things they want to be sure they talk about? And so we're piloting it in four places in primary care and it's still early days. So what we can say so far as we know, it's um, we know it's technologically feasible. We're working with two different EHR systems to implement it. So we know it can be done okay. and we know that patients will do it. So, not every patient who's invited to do this uh, before the visit does, but a fair number of them seem to be responding and filling things out.
0: So, as I I'm going to ask you both to put on your uh, fortune teller's cap and and grab your crystal ball for a second. I'm really curious if the if patients are setting you know they're suggesting their agenda for the upcoming visit. How do you think their doctors are going to respond? Uh, to the patient driving the agenda in that way. Uh, Liz, give, give me your best prediction. I'd
1: say the best prediction is doctors are going to like this for two reasons. One, patients already do this. We just mm-hmm. write it on a notepad or in a, in a journal or in our phone in the notes tab. Um, mm-hmm. We put questions there and we, we, we ask. And, and, and if you're dealing with something serious, you're there with your notepad and you're answering questions. I think what might throw doctors off as if it's somehow connected to the EHR and they feel like we're intruding in their space, or if in some way it might impact their workflow and they might have to uh, work more. And as long as this tool shows that it's not going to add to the hours that they're working, I, I'm, i would think that they'd be in favor of this.
0: All right. And Kate, your turn. You've been studying physicians engagement with uh, EHR platforms for mm-hmm. probably as long as anybody. What's your take?
2: My prediction is that they are going to like it, and for two reasons. One, getting someone else to write a portion of the note for you <laughs> decreases the amount of work that you have to do, and that's their—that's often that's one of their main complaints about the EHR. Is just yeah. it creates more work for them. So cutting down on some on a, on some of that charting work that they do, I think. They'll definitely, they'll be in favor of that. The other reason I think that they'll be in favor of it is it helps to head off the doorknob question. You know, the question as the physician is headed out the door, they have their hand on the doorknob and uh-huh. the patient says, oh, I have one more thing I want to ask you about. And it, it's often the most important thing, or it's the thing that's really weighing on the patient's mind,
1: mm-hmm.
2: that maybe they're uncomfortable to bring up. They're they're not sure. So it can help to head that off by giving the patient time in advance where they don't have to say that thing. They can just write it down.
0: Got it. Oh no, that's fantastic. Well, I think we're all gonna need to stay tuned to opennotes.org to see how that research unfolds. Um, and it, it's kind of hard for me to believe, but we're near the end of our time here. I wanted to ask a, a question about the future. Uh, before we close out here. Um, and I know that there obviously has been so much from a policy and regulatory perspective in the last 10, 15 years that has changed in terms of uh, the way that we use uh, technology to track uh, medical records and so forth. What do you see coming in the future that may impact the, I guess, the future of the sort of the open notes movement from a policy and regulatory standpoint, for good or for ill?
2: Well, I'll take a, I'll take the first shot at that, and I think what what we should be expecting in the near term is already on a lot of our phones. So, so Apple has a, has a functionality that's native to the iPhone that allows me to authenticate myself. It goes to my patient portal part at Partners Healthcare, and it pulls all of my data all of the data that partners let me have through the portal it pulls it into my phone
0: okay
2: and with the twi- with what hap- with what's in the 21st century cures act which says that patients have a right to access all of their electronically available information coupled with what ONC is doing around new pieces of data that have to be part of the interoperability data set, I think what we're going to see is this explosion of third-party app developers who are figuring out how to pull all, pull your information into your phone, into their app, use it and, and create sort of templates that are really useful for patients. That's what I hope that's sort of my kind of rose-colored. What I hope happens. Mm. Um, I, I am a little bit concerned, though, that many of these apps have. You know, none of none of us read our terms and conditions. If we're being honest, of
0: no course. No When
2: you when you download an app, you don't read those terms and conditions. You just click it. Yep. So in a way even though these types of te- this new type of technology will give us more access to our own information we may sort of unwittingly be giving access to that information to everyone else oh, as well
1: interesting.
2: so i think i mean i think we're we're at a time where this technology is changing so quickly that our that our regulations and laws and thoughts about who owns my data and how do they get to use it I think we need to have more conversation about that.
0: Excellent, and actually, I wanna point one more question at Liz before we go here, because this is, is, is another thing that I found really intriguing and something that if you work for a hospital or health system and are listening to this, I want you to pay really close attention to this question and its answer, because in the research study that we've been talking about, another of the findings was that 63% of respondents rated the availability of notes as very important for choosing a future provider. So, Liz, first of all, can you tell us if you're out there and you're a patient and you want to know, does my hospital offer open notes and, and is there, are they part of the, the open notes research protocol? A, how do they find that out? And B, if they're not, what do they do about it?
1: Good question. So on the Open Notes website, we list everyone who's officially sharing notes. They're out, they're proud that they are an OpenNotes site. You can mm-hmm. go to opennotes.org/slash map. We have a map of North America. You have your mouse over which state you're in, and you'll see those organizations that are sharing notes. If your health system does not share notes, it's it's hard to say how, what can you as one person make change can you make your entire health system suddenly start sharing notes it's not going to happen overnight but mm-hmm. organizations do and should listen to their patients so you can ask your doctor, you can get the ball rolling, find out if your hospital or health system has a patient family advisory council you can talk to about this, that you could put a request in together. Um, I, as a person who's on Twitter, and there are a lot of activated patients who are really interested in this, uh, they have conditions, they want access to their notes. I get people email, texting or texting, uh, uh, tweeting at me often saying, how do I do this? And I say, look up your health system website, look who's in the leadership and email them about this and mm-hmm. cite some of our research because just your story is important, but also them knowing where, where the literature base or what's in the evidence base is really important as well. So I kind of prompt them with some of the tools they might need to, in order to get this ball rolling and suggest they might look into people like the chief uh, medical information officer, who's usually mm-hmm. the, the, the person within the health system who's looking at things like open notes and already aware that it exists.
0: That's a great tip. And I think it's a fantastic mm-hmm. way to close us out here. Uh, for the listeners, I want to let you know that I'm going to have links to the research we discussed, uh, as well as information about how to get in touch with Kate and Liz um i really want to thank you for being here and being a part of this experiment first time we've uh, we've had two guests here but the work you're doing is fantastic and i'm really i'm looking forward to, to following it for a long time to come so liz salmi and kate Deroche, thanks for being with us on data point today thanks thank you thanks so much for listening to the data point podcast if you like what you've heard please do rate review and share it with your social network it means a lot if you have ideas for show topics or guests, please email them to me at greg at healthquant.health or send a direct message to at moose on Twitter. That's C-H-I-M-O-O-S-E on Twitter. For more information about this show or any of the terrific healthcare podcasts in the Touchpoint Media Network, check them out at touchpoint.health. See you next time. This has been a Touchpoint Media production. To learn more about this show and others like it, please visit us
1: online at touchpoint.health.